You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. In this world of turmoil, you're struggling to find energetic balance, and you panic because your spirituality is not where you desire it to be. Yet creating a powerful foundation of empowerment is what you know you can achieve. Hi, I am Martin Neal Campbell, author of the book Receiving the Gift We Give, which is available on Amazon eBooks and my website, receivingthegiftwegive.com. I invite you to uncover your power and greatly expand your energies by embracing your divine self. Sovereign Self is about individual empowerment and freedom. In exploring this sovereign self, our discussions will encompass self-love, oneness, and diverse spiritual understandings as life is a journey of expansion which never ends. Join author Martin Neil Campbell, trainer and business facilitator Karen Murphy, and spiritual archaeologist Ron Mayer as their discussions help lead their listeners into an ever-expanding journey of peace, love, joy, and freedom to become who you desire and be your sovereign self. Welcome to Sovereign Self. I am your host, Martin Neil Campbell, and your two fabulously divine and absolutely inspiration and wondrous co-hosts are Ron Mayer and Karen Murphy. Say hello to everyone, guys. Hello, everybody, and Merry Christmas. Hello, folks, and a very Merry Christmas to all. Indeed. Yes, welcome and Merry Christmas. And that is actually what our program is about, Christmas. Christmas is a hugely popular home, celebrated by some two billion people. And it's so much a part of our culture here that it's inescapable in many ways to many people. But it's so big, Christmas, that it plays a key role in the economies of a lot of nations. It's interesting to note that the retail industry in the U.S. after Thanksgiving holiday is commonly known as they have Black Friday. But that's not because it's bad. It, it's because it marks the beginning of the Christmas shopping season. Right. And most of the stores have been in the red until Black Friday, which is mean they've been losing money. So Black Friday means they're in the black again. It means they're going to be making money. And Christmas is so big, obviously, that schools and colleges take weeks off. People have time off. People shut down all their businesses. And many family plan trips get together and all of that type of thing. So Christmas is a big thing in most of the Western world. The question is, I guess, partially, why do we celebrate Christmas? I would say right off the bat, more often than not at the moment, we celebrate Christmas because celebrations for many people are fun. They bring people together. They give us time off from work and more time to theoretically relax anyway. And the spirit of Christmas reminds us to love each other more. And you hear a lot of people saying they love the spirit of Christmas because people are nicer to each other. And we give gifts to people we care about. We enjoy watching. Obviously, the faces of children light up when they get a gift at Christmas. And a lot of people say that's what Christmas is about. It's about the children. And we enjoy making people we know happy and letting them know we care, which is an obvious one. And of course, the religious one is a lot of people celebrate the birth of Jesus. But it brings a loving spirit out in people we don't usually see otherwise. This brings people joy. So that's a lot of good reasons to celebrate Christmas. But there is the other end of the coin. Why do people not like Christmas? And the first and foremost out of most people's mouths is it's too commercial. 
It's commercial, commercial. Bye, bye, bye. It demands we spend more money than we have, and most people do. It makes people feel ashamed sometimes if they can't afford gifts or the gifts they would like to give versus the gifts they're getting. Obviously, when you're out shopping, people get pushy and stores get uncomfortably crowded, which isn't great. People become self-absorbed in what they're doing and don't really care about other people. Many people are forced to drive in poorer weather because quite a lot of the northern hemisphere, either especially at this time of year, is poorer weather with snow and ice and other things and rain. And it just means you're driving a lot more, and it's not always the best thing. Obviously, from a Christian point of view, is the lament that we forget to celebrate Jesus' life. And Christmas, too, is, you have to remember, not celebrated by a lot of people who are not Christian, including people of other faiths, but there's a lot of agnostics and atheists out there. The other thing is, I heard someone mention, they hate Christmas because of all the Christmas parties, and people get drunk. And they said it's just an excuse to get drunk, and they really hate drunken parties. Hmm. And then there are other people that are alone at Christmas. People who have money, it's fine, but they generally ignore those who don't. Then there's a whole slew of people that last year they lost someone at Christmas. This Christmas, they might have been people in a car accident. It happens because we're out on the road a lot more. What does that do to people's Christmases? And then there are people who are ill in the hospital at this time of year. The poor, of course, have people living on the street. What about them? And sometimes, as I find at this time of year, there's people who, as I said earlier, do like the way it brings out the better side of people, but it also brings out the worst side of people, where we forget the pleasantries and kindness that Christmas brings out. Mm-hmm. And we especially, even if we do become more kind and smiling and happy and wishing people Merry Christmas, it ends January 2nd, after New Year's. <laughs> so what about the rest of the year? <laughs> yeah. So the question I throw out on this is, how should we behave and react to this mix of joy and sorrow called Christmas? And what does it mean coming from your sovereign self in regards to all this? So there you go. That's my introduction. I hope for a lot of people out there, we do indeed wish you a Merry Christmas if you're celebrating. If you're not celebrating and you hate Christmas and you're listening to this, listen because I hope we can give you some pointers on how you can move into your sovereign self and not feel that way so much about Christmas and move on. So any thoughts right off the bat? I think a couple things come to mind with your introduction, Martin, and that was wonderful, is your last statement was, how should we be acting at this time? And two things popped into my head, one being compassion and the other being understanding. And I think as I listened to your introduction, there was a whole gambit of emotion, beliefs, traditions, all kinds of things that were coming out and they may affect people in different ways. So I think from my perspective, having that compassion for others who may be going through a difficult time or maybe just aren't really comfortable with Christmas or for whatever reason, sometimes maybe on an unconscious level, they're not comfortable through the holiday season. Mm -hmm. So giving that compassion and trying to stay present, as we often talk about, so that when you are rushing through the malls or on the road, that you do practice living in the present and bring compassion into your life so that you're not involved in road rage. You are more conscious when you're bumping into that person. And even though it's overcrowded, perhaps in the malls, when that does occur, you have the common courtesy and compassion to acknowledge it and say, hey, I'm sorry, are you okay? The second piece is around understanding. And I think that comes from my perspective around how people and why people celebrate 
<clears throat> this time of year, whether it be religion or otherwise. I think having an understanding, it doesn't mean that I have to believe what someone else believes, but I do, however, believe that I need to have an understanding. So those two those two concepts came to my mind. I think they, they really circle around, <clears throat> excuse me, the whole concept of self-sovereignty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And for me, my understanding with regards to Christmas, as you all know, as well as our audience, over the last few programs, I have been more focused on emotion and how you feel. Um, and definitely with Christmas, there is an expectation that exuberance and joy and feeling wonderful is usually expected around the the birth of the person that actually saved the whole Catholic or all of Christendom. So there's an expectation that you should feel ecstatic during this period. And that can be a real challenge as what both of you have have already brought up, especially if you don't feel like being celebratory because you've lost somebody. Or for me, the first thing that comes to mind is all of the elderly people who have lost all of their family and are alone during this period of time. And all they have to generate any kind of emotion would be their memories of, you know, of the past. And that can be challenging for a lot of people. So it's the emotional expectations of joy and exuberance that people feel under pressure to experience. And then when they don't feel that way, then they feel guilty. They feel guilty. Why am I not feeling exuberant? Why am I not feeling celebratory with regards to the birth of our Savior? It can be, you're right, it can be a very challenging period for a lot of people during this period. Yeah, oh yeah. And that's the one piece, I guess, going to the sovereign self, is that if it is due to a death of a loved one, obviously we have our grieving period and you'll go through that. Mm-hmm. Just expect that to happen in the first Christmas that comes about. Don't expect it to continue every Christmas from there on in. Usually that will disappear over time. So while you're going through that, accept it. Give thanks for who that person was and Think of the joy they brought into your life. They celebrate them and all they brought to you, even though they're not there this Christmas. In many ways, they are. Give thanks to them and talk to them. Move it in a direction of giving thanks for who they were, not that they're not there now. And you know, it's interesting. For me, over the last number of years, especially being on the path of the sovereign self and authenticity, I have always, during these moments of celebration, have been for me always a reflection or a reflective opportunity to see just where I am with regards to being authentic. Because for me, the the concept of Christmas, and I think that's it is shifting for a lot of people, is this feeling of obligation that you have to be a certain way, you have to buy a certain number of gifts, and then if you haven't, if someone's bought a gift for you. Did you feel guilty that you didn't think or or buy a gift for them? There are a lot of expectations during this period that I think are becoming rather meaningless to a lot of people. And so this whole period of Christmas is also shifting with regards to what it actually means to people nowadays. Yes, and that's a good thing. And that's another thing about being your sovereign self, and I know we've mentioned it before, but I know people feel guilty if someone gives them a gift and they don't have one in return. Mm -hmm. That's the last place you should go. 
the best way to look at that, and we've said it before, is is someone's giving you a gift because they love you. Mm-hmm. Give that love back. Just show the sheer joy at getting it and thank them and give them a hug. That's mm-hmm. all they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Don't go into yourself and feel you're less because someone gave you a gift. You're actually more because they gave you a gift. They gave you a gift because they love you and they're saying so. That should bring joy. Don't mm-hmm. look at it from the materialism point of view. Look yeah. at it from the gifting point of view and just give them a big hug and smile and thank them. Talk about a simple way to bring yourself joy rather than moving into something like mm-hmm. guilt. Right. <laughs> you know. And you know, much of that resonates with me. This year, I think I've spoken quite a lot uh, within my within my circle of friends around this whole idea of this commercialized Christmas and, mm-hmm. you know, the multitude of gifts and, and things of that nature. And I was having a discussion the other day about gift giving and mm-hmm. talking. It was in particular with my sister. And we were talking about gift giving. And after a few moments, it was very, very quickly, we started to talk in terms of, well, it's getting a little ridiculous. We know we love each other. We'd rather just spend the time with one another, whether that be over dinner or just grabbing a coffee or whatever that looks like, but actually giving the gift of time with one another. And we started talking about the whole gift-giving concept and families get together, what do they do? And I'm kind of missing the fact that so much of it is spent on the hustle and bustle and rushing around. And Ooh. we have a lot of blended families. So everyone's kind of going here, there and everywhere. And Martin, to your point, not enough to, sometimes the roads are not great. And I think Christmas has become very stressful. Mm-hmm. And recently someone shared with me and I've actually had it shared with me twice now. So it's obviously out there. And I thought it was just a wonderful idea and I wanted to share it. And it was around the idea of Christmas gifts. And Martin, to your point, We often talk about the children and seeing children's faces light up. So the conversation we had, and I know a number of people have started this tradition, and I actually, it just kind of warmed my heart. And that was when you get together with family and or friends, rather than it being about buying all of these really ridiculously priced gifts, it was about thinking about the people you're gathering with and what were they like when they were a child, if you knew them, or what do they talk about now that they would have really liked when they were child? And actually going out and buying that gift that would have brought that smile to their face as a youngster. And you can have some laughter with it as they're unwrapping and you can tell jokes and tell stories. And once they're all unwrapped, you put them under your tree and then you call the the local orphanage or charitable organization and they come and pick up those gifts and they give them to children who really will value them. That's a good idea. And in fact, in our in our family, a number of years ago, we began to recognize that whole concept of commercialism with regards to Christmas. And we decided at this point that it would only be our children in our family that would receive gifts, that we would not be needing or feeling obligated to give adult exchanges. And that, I found, was amazing because it immediately relieved the financial pressures mm-hmm. that Christmas, the Christmas season can bring. And in reflection of that, it was how much have we allowed finance to control our celebrations and how we enjoy these particular time in our cycle of, of the year. Expectations of having gifts given to you is definitely being manipulated by the economy. And yeah. Martin, you had said, right, that Black Friday is the trigger that puts the economy back in the black with regards to how the cycle of the economy went for the entire year and how much are we being controlled by that. Yes. 
I saw a commercial the other day, and it was to do with Christmas, and it was an electronic store, and they had a 60-inch 4K television up, two kids looking at it and smiling and mm-hmm. a big bow on it, and oh, isn't that a wonderful Christmas gift? And I'm going, really? $3,000 for a television as a Christmas gift, and they're expecting that to be normal? Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, when you, you think know. about it, you know, Martin, you guys are so right. I mean, talk about Christmas being about emotion. Whatever mm-hmm. your beliefs are, it's about emotion. Mm-hmm. So when we think about people that used to be in our lives, whether they've passed on, whether the relationship has ended, I don't think we think, gee, I'm really missing that person in my life and the lovely gifts that they gave me. Mm-hmm. That never came mm-hmm. to my mind around material gifts, mm-hmm. but I might miss the conversation. I might miss the smile on their face. I might miss the joke that they would tell. So mm-hmm. when I think of the gift of Christmas, I really think of the gift of time, mm-hmm. the gift of time and people's love and sharing that love and sharing that conversation and laughter and giddiness that might be around acting silly. It might be around watching a movie. It might just be about just relaxing and catching up if you haven't seen loved one or a close friend for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Authentic moments are what right. give added value to this season rather than expensive gifts. Expensive gifts can be wonderful. You will probably end up playing with that expensive gift for two to three weeks, and then it will lose its value over time. But an an authentic moment shared, you know, authentically with another person during this period, Mm -hmm. those are the moments that last a lifetime. It's very interesting when, when it gets to the whole Christmas thing and various people's situations. I have been in my life, alone at Christmas for quite a few Christmases, actually. Mm -hmm. And initially, it was very bothersome. And it's odd. What bothered me most more than anything else was everything was closed. So I couldn't even go out and do anything. Yes. (laughs) Another reminder of being alone, for instance, which can, how do you handle being alone? Yeah. Solitude, yeah. Yeah. And the one thing I would say to people that are alone at Christmas and look at all these people who are celebrating with others and you're not doing that, it's not a reflection that you're worse by any means. But maybe it's a time, and we've covered this off of I don't know how many programs, maybe it's a time to spiritually connect with yourself more, do some meditation, do some writing, do whatever gets you into the moment of who you are underneath. Mm-hmm. And, and, and your heart center. Yeah, exactly. self-love. And use the day as a gift to you, for you, to move yourself forward. That could probably be one of the greatest gifts you could ever ever give or get. Mm. And you're giving it to yourself. So, yes, there are times when it's nice to get together with people. And if you don't have anyone to get together with, then look after yourself. And, and if you don't have anybody to get together with and you're feeling that that might be something that you might be interested in doing, there are various groups, for instance, that offer dinners and that type of thing, voluntary groups and and for the homeless or for, I know one person, a friend of mine who used to do that every year because she herself was alone at Christmas and did not want to feel lonely. And so she would volunteer for these these volunteer groups that provided for the community. That's just exactly what it's going to bring up. And it's so good to do that, go and do a soup kitchen and help help hand out food to people of less. The other thing, of course, if you are religious, is is go to your your church or what have you and celebrate in whatever religion. It doesn't have to be Christian. Connect more with your religion. It doesn't have to be connecting spiritually with yourself through meditation. If you would prefer to go to your place of worship, then go there. 
but either and connect way, with people there. Yeah. Exactly. But either way is good. If you're alone and you hear this and there's a slight tug to want to do that, but then you don't want to do that, mm-hmm. feel good with just simply being alone. And as what Martin said, find activities that will bring you more in touch with who you are and your authentic self. Exactly. Absolutely. And you're right. There's a lot of great organizations out there. I was taking a look at Facebook today in advance of the show, just catching up on some things. And I saw a posting around the uh, Basket Brigade in uh, Hamilton. I'm from Hamilton. Mm -hmm. And it brought a smile to my face because a number of years ago, I was able to participate in the Basket Brigade. And it was actually over uh, Easter at the time. And they do it at, at a lot of the main occasions. And today was the Basket Brigade day in Hamilton where people within the community, and it's all community supported, will go out and buy turkeys and all of the trimmings and all of that kind of thing. And then they are given anonymously some some names of some needy families and a group of, wow, a couple hundred people go out across the city this morning and drop off Christmas dinner and the trimmings for families to have, to share. And I remember being a part of that a number of years ago. And it just, it warmed my heart this morning to see it and see, wow, they're still doing it. It's still alive and well, and they're still giving back and caring about those people who may, for whatever reason, appear less fortunate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There are many things that can be done. It's very interesting Christmas in itself because from a religious Christian point of view, it's celebrating the birth of Christ. And I always chuckle because there is no way on earth that Christ was born in December. And and I know people say, well, it doesn't matter. You're just celebrating a birthday. And I go, well, that's true, but there's a lot of people out there who who are more religious than I am that think it's off-center to celebrate it at the wrong time of year. And beyond that, they say there is nothing, and there isn't anything in the Bible that says anything about celebrating the birth of Christ. It's Uh um, about celebrating his death was more important, and it says that a couple of times. And yet, a lot of people say we want to bring Christ back into Christmas, but Christ was never in Christmas. (laughs) <laughs> from that accounting point of view. When you talk about the day and must celebrate it on the day, when I think about our society today versus thousands of years ago, we are a different society today in that we have people that don't live in the same community, families that do not live in the same community. They may have gone far away for work or for new relationships. There are blended families And all of those kinds of things, when I think about that whole, you must celebrate on the 25th of December, Mm. I cringe. I absolutely cringe. Having been a part of that for a number of years, one of the things that I'm finding in today's society and certainly within my own family is there's a lot of stress around getting everybody at the same place at the same time, Mm. and it must be on the 25th. And I keep shaking my head and saying, why? If we're getting together to celebrate and to share that emotion, and to give love, and to get love, why does it have to just happen on the 25th? Why can you not celebrate it whenever it's easier for people? Why are we creating this this extensiveness of stress that doesn't need to be there? And it really overshadows what I believe is the the true value of getting together at this time of year. True. It is commercially pushed for the most part. Mm -hmm. It is a made-up holiday. It really didn't start until about 400 AD. And there's certainly, as I said, no mention of it in the Bible. And as a matter of fact, they, they poo-poo it a bit because it's really based on a pagan festival. It was brought in at that time to overshadow and sort of kill the Roman holiday 
Um, I think it was the day of the Invincible Sun. I know I had it written here somewhere. It was celebrated on December 25th. Mm-hmm. And it was really to overshadow that and its celebration because it had gift giving as well. So it brought it all in, but it's really a remake of a pagan holiday to offset it so that people didn't go that way every year. So I understand the logic of why they did it, but really when you look at it, it was the stopgap measure to get rid of a pagan holiday, but now it's taken over everything. <laughs> For me, it's an opportunity to kind of get back to what we often talk about, and that is my center of love. Mm-hmm. And it's an opportunity to reach out to loved ones, friends, and in many cases, even those that I, I don't know or, or just acquaintances, and give of that type of love, whatever that looks like to you, and really embrace those moments. It's not for me about, well, everyone loves gifts and surprises. I don't believe, at least for myself, it's not so much about the gift. It's the gift of giving. Yeah. So when I prepare for Christmas and I have to go Christmas shopping, it's not my favorite place. I don't love shopping malls or crowds. But what I do love is the fact when I go out, it's knowing that I have to stay present and know that in all the hustle and bustle and frustration that I acknowledge and I hope others acknowledge that if you do bump into someone because it's so crowded, you, you turn around and you smile and you make sure the person's okay. You give that sense of always being present and knowing that a lot of people are under the time pressures, stress pressures, financial pressures, and stay present, as present as you possibly can. And remember that we're all here and we're all connected together. So reach out and send that little bit of love and always try to not go into that road rage or mall rage and mm-hmm. acknowledge things will happen. There'll be some bumping. There'll be some carts, you know, mm-hmm. banging into each other. Mm-hmm. There's no need to be yelling or cursing or giving mm-hmm. dirty looks. Remember, we're all in this together. But I will head out to the mall and I will do some shopping. But it's really about the time that you can spend together. I know one of the traditions that my daughter and I have started doing um, over the last three years, I guess it is, and that is baking together. Uh, I don't bake, for the record, I don't bake. (laughs) Um, And and she will ask me to clarify, Mom, when we bake together, that actually means I make and you clean up all the utensils (laughs) so I can continue to bake. Is that correct? Yes, honey, that's correct. But I'll tell you, it's uh, for the last three years, We've done it in the last two in particular, just she and I, and it is the moment that I look forward to right now more than any because it's an opportunity for us to laugh, to joke, to make fun of ourselves, to to really be vulnerable and just be with each other. And whether or not the, the cookies or the treats turn out or not, I mean, we've made some blunders. I think that was the last time she let me use the measuring cup. But, you know, it creates a laugh. It creates that memory that we think about year over year, and now we joke about it. So it's really about whatever it is, folks, that you want to do that brings that heart center and that love and that smile to your face. That's what I would recommend embracing. Mm -hmm. It's interesting you bring that up. It is a financially stressed time of year. And if you have a bit of money but not a lot of money, baking gifts are sometimes the best ones because they don't cost a lot. They do take time, but you can give – give baked goods to people as gifts rather than going out and spending $50 at a store. You can spend you know, $20 and put together a lot of baking goods. Absolutely. If you don't have that much money at all and you can't even, you know, hard, having a hard time making your own ends meet for food, then someone came up with a suggestion which I loved. It's give a voucher 
and a homemade card of your services. So yes. you know, I'm going to give you two car washes in the next year. Mm-hmm. Wash and wax your car. I'm going to babysit at an evening at the time of your choosing so you can get out and all look after the kids. Uh, things like that. So you can give of your time. And it's a great gift because, really, to, if you look at parents and give them a night off, is probably one of the best gifts you could give. For sure. You and, give an elderly person handyman, someone who can say, for the next month, I'll be around to change your light bulbs or shovel your walk or whatever that looks like. Wow. What a stress reliever for that person who's receiving that gift. Yeah. What a feeling mm-hmm. of love. And quite frankly, I'd rather have one of those gifts than an actual gift in many ways. Yes. <laughs> now, one of the things, as I've said earlier, I like to harp on emotion. But one of the things that I always thought that celebrations in general were intended to bring was what we have lost a long, 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 long time ago. And that is the whole concept of magic. Mm-hmm. There uh-huh. was a magic that we can distantly, we may, genetically, we might even have a, a, a distant memory of what that felt like to have magic brought back into our life. Mm-hmm. And for me, especially Christmas, because I'm a Catholic, and this is where my education and focus as a child was put to, but for me, the Christmas period, the Christmas season was for me an attempt to remember the magic of what humanity once used to possess mm-hmm. and what we will eventually bring back into the more we begin to heal our emotional bodies. Now, I, as a child, I can remember oh, with hopeful glee with regards to the approaching season of Christmas. And on the day of Christmas, I would enter emotionally this huge cavernous area in myself that was indeed just bursting with magic. Mm-hmm. And it was my imagination during that period as a child was it was almost like I was allowed to let it let it go. I was allowed to engage in all of the adventures with regards to what magic was supposedly intended to be felt on our planet. I've often looked at that and said, as a child, I used to have it. But today, when the season approaches, even on the day of that sense of wonder, that sense of magic is far, far, far diminished now today as an adult than when I used to feel it as a child. And I look at that and say, this is what we have lost with regards to our worship of money. Mm-hmm. And there's the whole thing, and we haven't brought it up yet. There's Santa Claus. Right? Oh. And Santa Claus is such a magic person to children. Exactly. I love it. And I know people say, oh, it's it's an imaginary thing, and why should you put children through that? And it's, I always look at it and go, well, you should let children open up to the imagination. For sure. Let them open up to the joy of it. It doesn't matter whether it's a real thing or not. It is while they're thinking about it, and that's all that counts. And I always look on it and say, just because you've lost your joy around Santa and knows, no, it's not real, doesn't mean you have to take it away from someone else. And we assume that everything else is real? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Usually those types of people who, who tell you that Santa Claus is not real, they themselves have lost touch with the fact that magic is indeed a real thing and can be real. Yeah. Once we begin to heal our emotional bodies with our spirit bodies and, intri- and, um, and the healing begins to happen all the way up through the dimensions, once that begins to happen, interdimensional synchronicity will bring the magic back 
Mm-hmm. And this is what many of us are evolving towards, and we are all, all very hopeful with regards to what that's going to feel like and what that's going to be. Yeah. And I have an odd story from childhood, I must admit. It took me about a week to process, but when I was not quite five years old, my older brother decided to wake me up and show me that there was no Santa, that it was mom and dad putting gifts under the tree <laughs> and destroyed Santa for me. But Given that, it's very interesting that when I thought about it, I actually moved my mind to, wow, mom and dad do all that for me? Mm-hmm. And it made just made me want to hug them. So it's interesting, even when you do find out, push it in that direction, and it's still love, and it's still wonderful. It took me a while, as I said, about a week to get over the shock of no Santa. Right. <laughs> but then when I realized that it was mom and dad doing all that work, and how much it was when I thought about it, I was overjoyed that they were doing that for me. I thought, wow, they love me that much. You always know they love you, but it was just such a hidden demonstration. It was wonderful. I completely agree, Martin. I have a a similar story. When my daughter was eight, she's 28 now. When she was eight, my mom, it was her last Christmas with us. And my mother always overdid it, always overdid the gift giving. And I don't, from my perspective, as I know my mom, it wasn't so much about the commercialization And it wasn't about one-upmanship. She truly, that's what she really wanted to do, was to give those gifts, to see those smiles, to see that joy. And in some cases, it was dollar store gifts. She just loved that feeling of watching my daughter, it was the only granddaughter at the time, unwrapping all these things and the joy that she saw and the joy that my daughter felt. And it wasn't really about the quality or the price of the gift. It was about the thought. And I remember my mom, as I said, she would ray overdo it. And I remember after she passed away, my little eight-year-old came up to me and said, Mom, just so you know, I don't expect you to spoil me like Grammy did. I know that's what she did because she really loved me and that's what Grammy liked to do. And I know you love me too, but I know how expensive it is. And Grammy went way overboard and I was really lucky, but I don't expect that going forward. She was eight years old. Mm-hmm. It's amazing we sometimes forget the wisdom of children. Yes, yes. <laughs> they can cut through and see the truth of things. Like Can't that. they, though, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that, too, is a reflection of bringing them up in a loving home. And there are children out there who don't get the iPhone they want, will rant and rave and not talk to you for days. And that's a reflection of upbringing. Because that's right. Moved in, that's right. moved into pure materialism and the commercialism, and that's all it's about But even as we talk today through the show, you notice that most of the memories that we're talking about or most of the things that we're talking about, as you said, Ron, are all emotionally based. Bingo. I'm not (laughs) hearing anybody talk about, man, oh, man, I really miss that I did not get another cashmere sweater this year. (laughs) Not hearing it. it. So, I mean, there's… There's well, a lot Aaron, of truth to this. I'll, I'll take that casual take sweater back. back then. Sorry, I'll get something <laughs> else. No, <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> it's so interesting that as we're talking, it, it comes so naturally that my mind is sort of fluttering around with all of these memories as we're talking that are flooding in. And I can't tell you what I got last year for Christmas or the year before, but I can tell you what I did. Mm-hmm. I can tell you the conversations that I had. I can tell you the joy that I felt in my heart. I can tell you the connection I may have made with someone. All mm-hmm. of those things are, are, to me, the true spirit. 
Those are the authentic moments, as I said earlier, that will bring the permanent value rather than something, as I said before, you will get an expensive gift, you will play with this expensive gift, and eventually it gets put into a closet somewhere and forgotten. Mm. And your good point, Carrot, with regards to trying to remember all of the gifts that were given to you. No clue. As as opposed to looking at your memories and finding what do you value more, the memories of the family dinner where everybody is laughing and enjoying each other's company, as opposed to afterwards when gifts might be opened. Right. And a lot of times, a lot of times, as a child, you're right with, about the iPhone, Martin. I think that's so apropos. You're sitting there and everybody's opening their gifts. And the one thing that you wanted the most, which, of course, you were too proud to tell anybody that this is what you wanted, you never got. Mm-hmm. So all of these other gifts that came to you are now less in value because mm-hmm. of the one gift that you didn't get. Yep. No, it's- and that's because, of, that's because of how we're raising. Exactly. That's because how of how much- we're raising. And how much value we still put on money. Yeah. yeah. It brings another story to mind that I'd like to share. We're, when we talk about stress of the holiday season, there's also a lot of people, I was listening on the radio, and they were saying the most stressful period for a working woman, now I don't know how true this is or where it was sourced from, is the company Christmas party. Mm-hmm. The stress of the I must look my best, I must be at my best, I must not be underdressed or overdressed. I must present myself and all of that kind of stress. And I got to thinking about the stress that I felt when I was having Christmas dinner and things of that nature was, what if it didn't turn out? And Martin, you and I have talked about this. Yeah. What if it didn't turn out? What if I burnt the turkey and my mother-in-law would say, oh, are you using your mother's recipe? My mom would be hurt because I'd be using somebody else's recipe. And I thought, oh my goodness, can this dinner just not be over? And I remember thinking, this is not the way to think about Christmas dinner. So the first year, or actually, I I often term it as the last year I spent with my mom. But in reality, I had probably another three Christmases afterwards. But this one was really momentous to me. I was cooking dinner, and my mom was there, and a a really, really dear friend who we called an aunt. And I had the turkey in, and I, I didn't have anybody breathing down my neck telling me which stuffing to make and which gravy to make. I just did it. And I put the turkey in the oven and we put some music on and we all started to dance. And at one point, someone was doing a waltz. And then uh, at that time, Kayla was quite young and she got down on the floor and started to do the worm where you just kind of crawl around on the floor. And my kitchen was very, very little. And I remember my sister, my mom, me and my daughter, and we're all on the kitchen floor doing the worm. And my aunt and a friend are out in the living room waltzing. And I remember giggling and giggling and thinking, Wow. And then it struck me. It's past five o'clock. Oh my goodness. What about the turkey? We were having so much fun. I walked over and turned off the oven and we continued. And I can tell you, this is not by coincidence, but we sat down to dinner at seven, around seven o'clock, two hours late. The turkey was beautiful. The gravy was beautiful. The stuffing was beautiful. And for all I know, it may have tasted horrible, but we were all feeling so much love and so good that it tasted fantastic. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, that's an interesting point with regards to Christmas parties, with regards to work, because the whole concept of work during the year, because it's a tier structure where you have a boss that you have to to report to, and then he has a boss that he has to report to. They're all compartmentalized, and usually authenticity between the departments that doesn't occur, and it's fr- it's frowned upon only because if your boss has to come down and give you bad news or whatever. If you have a personal relationship with your boss, that having to hand down bad news can be extremely difficult. And so it's usually frowned upon with regards to fraternizing in an emotional sense, an authentic sense, between the departments. And so when you're all forced into having a Christmas party, many people feel very, very uncomfortable as to how to act with people that they don't have or have not yet developed an emotional bond with. So Christmas parties can indeed be very, very, very stressful for people. Your peers can be one thing because at least during the year when you're working with your peers, there's co-sympathetic vibration that you can – your experiences are similar, so you can talk about those things. But a lot of those things, there are certain things that, for instance, you you should never talk to your boss about how you're truly feeling about this because it'll be frowned upon. So the inability to be authentic with everybody all the way up the tier ladder in your company is not looked upon or promoted. And therefore, celebrating with everybody is very difficult because then everybody has to put on airs. I'm like this with my boss. So, you know, how do I feel comfortable about talking about what areas am I going to be comfortable to converse with this guy and what areas should I just simply avoid? If you're having a frustrating day, you you can't virtually talk to your boss's boss about this because it is not an accepted form of communication within the company. Yeah. I generally at Christmas parties, I just move it to Christmas. <laughs> so uh, if it's a boss or the CEO or whatever, and you don't have much to come to talk about sometimes, I just say, so are you planning anything for Christmas, going anywhere, doing anything? Find out a little more personally about them and move into a personal conversation. Then you take it as you go. I don't move into work at all. I try to avoid it at Christmas parties. Eventually, as we continue to build our sovereign self and our, our, our and embrace authentic, authenticity, we and we heal ourselves emotionally, we will find ourselves as a gift in these situations rather than just an awkward participant. Well, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, th- that brings up – sorry, Karen, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say it brings up another alternate side of that is family Christmas parties. Sometimes they're not comfortable for people. No, exactly. And people – some relatives like doing criticisms, right, and this type of thing. So the, the one I read and I just chuckled about was someone in the family, the person was a little overweight, Someone would always come up like this at their aunt, whomever, come up and say, have you put on more weight, you know, mm-hmm. in a critical way? Mm-hmm. And some of the answers they suggested are just hilarious. I said, one was, yes, I have. Thanks for noticing. And I look so much better, too, don't I? <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and Love it. don't want to go there. The other one was, yes, I have. And it's quite upsetting for me, actually. Can we talk about something else? <laughs> you know, you just deal with it. Yeah. And I love the answers because when people come up with that type of thing, and most people know going into a family situation what each person, if they're critical, are going to, if they are critical, are going to ask in what lines. So they recommend think up an answer that either deflects it or doesn't go there mm-hmm. because you don't want to get into a thing about it. And it's really what difference is it to them? I, <laughs> I like the whole outlook of just deflect it, change it, don't even go there. 
you yeah. know, all the yeah. judgments that hold back on emotional yeah. acceptance. If we were to look at those judgments and truly find out where did this judgment come from with regards to trying to make myself feel better, so I'm going to attack other people. If we were to actually let that loose and have acceptance for our judgments and say, okay, yes, I have these judgments and I accept them, it doesn't make them right and it's something that you're wanting to heal. But when you judge it as wrong and you're holding it outside yourself, you're not giving yourself an opportunity to heal it. You're going to continue judging those things. Mm -hmm. And that's why I like these answers. They're all being comfortable with yourself and telling them so. Exactly. That they're, that <laughs> we're all looking for acceptance. This is what love is seeking. Love without acceptance is love. Love with acceptance becomes unconditional love. Right? Mm -hmm. I just thought of another response. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's the most loving one, but it's probably the most authentic one. Oh, really? What makes you say that? Oh, yeah. Now someone's going to have to explain the extra role that they saw, right? Now yeah. there's an awkward spot. Well, and it's interesting. The one thing they gave at the bottom of this this article was and you do it, Karen, you know, when you go out for walks, your meditative walks, they said if you find the whole thing getting too stressful with family and people are being critical and everything else, give yourself a break. Go yeah. out and walk around the block and meditate uh, and rethink it through and go back in relaxed and ready for it. I always ask, and I do, I ask, what is the next best step mm. coming from my loving heart? And then I just keep walking. Me and Moki, we, we do miles sometimes. <laughs> and you know what? I've never been let down mm -hmm. when I ask. Mm -hmm. Sometimes oh, yeah. I fail to ask. We don't want to go there. Bur True. The burden on emotional healing always is with those who begin to embrace the, the sovereign self and their authenticity. Right. There'll be many, many people, we talk about these parties that we go to, there'll be many people that haven't a clue of what we're here talking about with regards to being sovereign and embracing emotional healing. They won't have a, an absolute clue. So the challenge with with those of us who are learning to heal our emotional bodies will be how do we handle ourselves in situations where no one else is embracing the same area of development that we are in. Mm -hmm. And this becomes our unique challenge in this generation. And that is how do we act emotionally around people who are unawakened and are still trapped in the emotional judgments? Yes. And you do really have to find the answer within yourself. Exactly. But if you know you're walking into those situations, it's good to sit down, meditate, think about it, and come up with answers that aren't snapping back at people, exactly. but more of coming from your sovereign self and, mm -hmm. and stating the truth and having no qualms about it. That usually throws them off because they can tell by your tone and answer that, <laughs> oh, I didn't get a reaction out of them that I wanted. Uh, okay, let's move on. <laughs> exactly. And I think this time of year, just for me, it kind of rejuvenates what I often talk about. Here it comes, guys. Gratitude. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And as I listen to our conversation, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. What's whipping through my mind is no matter where you are or what your circumstance, there's always something to be grateful for. Mm -hmm. And I look at where we live versus a third world country and think, why would I gripe about the fact that I need to celebrate Christmas on January 15th or whatever happens to be? I, I'm not this year, but, you know, just to uh -huh. give you an example, but it's it's about what are you grateful for? Are you grateful for the little things? I'm grateful that my wee doggy snuggles up 
Ron, you're grateful for Charlie. I'm grateful for the two of you in my life. Mm-hmm. There's so much to be grateful for. Am I grateful for other things? No, that's maybe not so good. But you've got to find time. I, I believe this in my heart, that if we continue to find time to share gratitude, we'll continue to have something to be grateful for. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a wonderful tool to shift from feeling doubt and anger and all of those unpleasant emotions. And it's not that you're wanting to deny those unpleasant emotions. Before you can heal those unpleasant emotions, there's a lot of experience and a lot of understanding that has to happen. You can't have that instantaneously. So I love Karen, that you brought up gratitude because until the day that we are completely healed emotionally, gratitude is a wonderful opportunity to be able to shift how you're feeling about something. And it's not to say that you're going to deny it, but you're going to add a new emotion to your bucket of how you're feeling in that moment simply by looking at what you can be grateful for. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe that ever fails. Recently, I had a situation where I've been looking at some things and I, I went for some some advice, um, some financial advice, mm-hmm. and I got some information and I realized that as I was digesting that information, as you were saying, Ron, and kind of acknowledging it, mm-hmm. I was watching how it was shifting my mind and my emotions. Mm-hmm. And I was pondering why nothing had changed except that I got some other input. But yes. otherwise, nothing had changed. And I was amazed at myself in not a pleasant way, but in a very grateful way as time went on, that I was at least aware that I would allow someone else's opinion to shape my future thoughts and emotions. Mm. And on the turn of a dime, the advice changed. Mm. And very quickly, I thought, wow, I could just feel my whole emotion changing. So I've been pondering this whole concept of how quickly as we evolve and how far I I believe I'm going on the path and continue to go, Mm -hmm. still those things that bring me back. And I'll I'll be honest, I was feeling a little bit angry, Mm -hmm. thinking that, gee, you know, are you you really on your game? Are you you really doing what you need to do? Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden I went, thank you. Thank you. Because had this not happened, I would not be looking at this part of myself. And I took it totally within and said, hmm. Okay, forget that piece. What yep. did you learn about yourself? And then all of a sudden, I was like, oh, thank you. I'm so grateful that this all happened because mm-hmm. this is an opportunity for me to acknowledge and continue to move forward. Yeah, and a lot of times, it's interesting how often, and it's so easy to fall into, when someone tells you something and they're supposed to be someone in some sort of authority. Or expertise, expertise or whatever. And it sends you into a bit of a funk. It's why, and then they yeah. change it, and all of a sudden you're out of the funk, and it's sort of like, oh, they have a little switch there. They keep turning me <laughs> on and off. Why am I allowing this? <laughs> exactly, Martin. That's thank you. You just articulate it way better than I did. Thank you, <laughs> thank you, thank you. But it's so easy. You people, it's easy to fall into. Yeah. And being a sovereign self is not giving someone that switch that can keep just turning you on and off. <laughs> exactly, and I was struggling with it, mm. but pinpointed. So I think. When we think in terms of that kind of thing and we think about the holiday season and Christmas and beliefs and gatherings, it's about thinking about that. What is it that people can trigger and yeah. where are you in that sort of space yeah. that says, hey, I'm going to take a step back? Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, we're observational. 
why are you putting a great big switch on your forehead that they, you allow them to keep yeah. down at will? Exactly. <laughs> you know, if, if you're at the Just uncomfortable, yeah. yeah, if you're at the uncomfortable family gathering or Christmas party, why should that matter to you? Yeah. Find the part that illuminates with you, that pulls out that love emotion and yeah. focus on that. That's a big basis of our society. Why do we let other people's judgments affect us so much? Because they're not real. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Someone's opinion that is more often than not 100% wrong. Oh, and of course, that's that stems from the fact that we believe others' opinions are truly what matters when it, it isn't. It's not what other people think. It's ultimately what you believe about yourself. Exactly. That's probably the biggest hump for most people. In the words of Joey Tribbiani from Friends, it's a moo point, you know, a cow's opinion. <laughs> so for this year, with regards to Christmas, uh, today, find something to be grateful for, I think, is what Tara would normally say. Yes. And even if it's a small item, and if you're not feeling particularly grateful at all, don't start with the big things, because you'll probably get a, a reaction within yourself that says, you know, that, that's crazy why you're thinking that. So start with something small, but that is tangible and real. Mm-hmm. At Christmas, when you are feeling left out or alone or what have you, it's another imagined reality in a what-if situation. Yes. Yes, I'd love to win the lottery and have $60 million. Yes, I'd love to do this or have that or this, this happen and that happen from all those angles. But it's all, it's false expectations appearing real. Yes. Again, it's moving back and it's fear-based thinking. Mm-hmm. And as we keep saying, if you move into yourself, think about who you are. Be grateful, as Ron said, for all the little things. Move into what you're thankful for. Move into that. Being around other people doesn't make you. And it's really about changing your mindset and not having that switch on your forehead that, oh, I'm not with other people, so click, I'm useless. Mm-hmm. It's I'm not with other people, so click, I can use this time to better myself. It's a mindset thing. Mm-hmm. And it's going to your heart center and loving yourself, which is it is at the key of it all for all of these things. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's something to start practicing, so... And if there's something you can do for someone else over the holidays, I would encourage you to do it. And again, start small. A smile mm-hmm. as you pass someone on the street might make all the difference in the world to that person's day. So there's little things. And if, if you're in a situation where you're more fortunate, then take a look. Tis the season. And we've talked about this before. If you've got a couple extra hats and scarves, and gloves, get them out there. Yeah, It could be wherever you're living. It, it may be a cold time of year. If you're in a warm climate, if you've got some extra water, think mm-hmm. about that. Think about ways in which you can give back. But it doesn't have to be monetary. It can just be of yourself. And as I said, it can be as simple as a smile, a greeting, a hello, and maybe a hug. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, for one, will try to bring in as much authenticity today as I can, because I know the more authentic I am, this is what is the key to bringing magic back into my life. Absolutely, Ron. And you're dead on. That's what that's what it's all about. It's about bringing the magic back into your life. Mm-hmm. You do that, as Karen said, through kindness and other things. Yes, it, we do indeed receive the gift we give from a love point of view back mm-hmm. to us. Mm-hmm. But it is all about you. It is all about where you are coming from and bringing the magic back into you and loving you. And then all of the rest of that stuff disappears. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
and even recognizing it, Martin, I, I completely agree with you. I know that I've always loved the holiday season, Christmas Eve in particular, because it's generally been with family and friends. I know that as the, the week goes out, my emotions will probably run the gambit. Mm-hmm. Now, having vocalized that and having acknowledged it, I'm actually looking forward to moments of solitude. Mm-hmm. I'm also looking forward to the next moment of non-solitude. Mm-hmm. So I guess where I'm coming from is that even though you are embracing this occasion or the celebration or you're not, you may find yourself running the gambit of a variety of emotions. And for me, all I do is recognize them, honor them, give them time, but I don't move in. <laughs> I don't settle in and start putting furniture up. <laughs> You just kind of visit and say, okay, you're there. Huh, what's that about? Then I move to what would make that frown turn to a smile. That might be a bubble bath. It might be putting on some incense or some natural oils. And it might be walking the dog. It could be a million things. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where I come from at this time of year. Yep. Even sitting and throwing on a movie you enjoy. Yeah. Whatever makes you get comfortable and smiling. (laughs) Exactly. I've been watching all the women's channel Christmas, the really hokey boy meets girl, girls upset, boys upset, they fall in love, Merry Christmas. I'm watching all of those. Mm. Why? I know it's not real, but man, oh man, it gives you a feel good at the end. Mm. And that's the key there. That's it. How do you feel? How do you feel about where you are in life? That's it. For those today that are alone and are feeling lonely, I extend this understanding that with the concept of oneness, that there is no boundary between me, Martin, me, Karen, me, and all of our listeners, that we are all one. And if you're feeling alone, know that I'm still there, and I would wish you the perfect magical day today. Yes, exactly. Absolutely. What more can I say to that? That's just wonderful. (laughs) That's amazing, Ron. We are one with you, as Ron said. So don't feel that you cannot reach out. You can absolutely reach out. Mm-hmm. You are loved. You know, if you don't feel loved, we love you. And we do appreciate all of our listeners. And if you're having a great time at Christmas and you're not listening to us till after Christmas, I hope you had a very good one. Mm-hmm. And if you are listening to this because you have no one else around at Christmas, you are a wondrous divine being. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise and take that to heart at this moment. I thank you all, and I hope you have a wonderful and fabulous week. Have a magical Christmas, people. Love you all. Have a fabulous week and the weeks ahead. Much love to all of you. Thank you for listening to The Sovereign Self. We will be back with another show that will celebrate the beauty and perseverance of you and your sovereign self. If you would like more information or to send questions to Martin, Karen or Ron, please go to their Facebook page, www.facebook.com forward slash Sovereign Self. See you next week.